mercies upon our lives that you have renewed this morning. We thank you for your faithfulness towards us. Your faithfulness in bringing us together in fellowship this morning. Lord God, this is our confidence that where two or three of us are gathered in your name, you are here in our midst. And we know, Lord, you have not called Israel to seek you in vain. Lord God, we pray that every purpose and counsel in your heart will be established in our lives this morning in the name of Jesus. And your name will be glorified. As we take some time to share your word, breathe upon your word. Charge it with life. Give it expression to each one of us. Granted entrance into our hearts to the end, O oh God, that our lives will not remain the same. May our lives glorify you. Anoint my tongue. Help me to speak with boldness. Give me the tongue of the learned. And Lord God, give us hearing ears and listening hearts. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name, we have worshipped and prayed. Amen. Please be seated in God's wonderful presence. That was a wonderful ministration. Let's give Jesus a clap offering. God bless you, choir. Hallelujah. Amen. On Tuesday, we talked during the Holy Communion service. We talked about the life that has light. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. I pray this morning that God will enlighten our eyes, that no one of us will live here the same way we have come. Our eyes will be open to God's truth in the name of Jesus. As you can see on the banner behind here, it says kings and priests. We are kings and priests. And for us to be kings and priests, we have to live the empowered life. And that is the title of today's message, The Empowered Life. The Empowered Life. Matthew chapter 18, I would read from verse 18 through to verse 20. Matthew chapter 18, verse 18 to verse 20. If you're there with me, I'm reading from the New King James Version. NKJV. Matthew 18, verse 18. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever ye shall lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. Whatsoever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. It's too early to sleep. You know who I'm talking to. <laughs> I've learned this morning not to assume that people are sleeping because I was very wrong this morning. I accused somebody of sleeping and the person was more alert. More alert than a lot of people that their eyes were shining like this. 
we're still early to sleep, okay? Hallelujah. Okay. Um, whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. That is what is called spiritual governance. To be exercising authority on earth as governors. What you bind is bound. And what you lose is loosed. That is what the scripture says. If we are ever to understand spiritual governance, it is from such scriptures that we understand it so we can be empowered. So we can be empowered. Don't forget the empowered life. Brethren, we must all understand how to bring things from the spiritual to the natural. Because things first happen up there before they manifest down here. So we must all understand how to bring things from the spiritual to the natural. So the question this morning is, how is a man empowered? You know, the, the predominant view amongst believers is that it is just a few people that are empowered. And it is more so in the redeemed Christian church of God. But this is not correct. You and I are called to be empowered. Not just the pastor. Every one of us seated here is called to be empowered. So, let us begin by establishing that everything ori originates from the spiritual realm. Everything. If you win up there, you cannot lose down here. Can I say that again? If you win up there, you can never lose down here. The word of God says, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. But let me say this, that this comes first by, or this comes by seeking the kingdom of God first. It comes by making the kingdom of God your priority. I hope somebody is listening to me this morning. Prioritizing the kingdom of God removes obstacles and ensures God hears us. Jesus said, My Father loves me always. My Father loves me because always I do the things that He says. So, what do you get from that? Jesus' priority is the kingdom of God. My Father loves me because always, not sometimes, always I do the things that he says. So prioritizing the kingdom is key to the life of the believer. When we seek the glory of God in our lives, we get God's attention. 
did somebody hear that when you seek the glory of God in your life you get the attention of God okay let's take for instance when Israel was defeated by AI or I I don't know the right pronunciation for that some say I some say I whichever if you read the Bible you know where I'm talking about okay so when Israel was defeated by I AI and Joshua went to God to inquire what happened because I was a tiny nation that they could have walked over and God told them that they would defeat them Joshua went to God and said what happened what happened and listen to the prayer he prayed to God when he went to seek God he said in Joshua chapter 7 verse 9 he said how can it be said that Israel fled fled from its enemies when all the other nations hear about it they will wipe us out of the earth then listen to this and then, what will happen to the honor of your great name? He didn't go to God and say to God, Ah, I defeated us. When the nations hear this, they will say, I'm not a good military strategist. Ah, this tiny nation defeated us. When the nations hear about it, they won't say, Ah, Israel is a fake nation. He said, what will happen to the honor of your great name? So his concern about the fact that AI defeated Israel was about the honor and the glory of God. Not about his person. Joshua was concerned about how God was to be glorified in the situation. When we seek God, And when we seek how God must be glorified or honored in our lives, we position ourselves to be attended to by heaven. <laughs> it is the attention that heaven gives a man that makes the difference. It is the attention that heaven gives you that empowers your words. That was the lesson of the cost fig tree. That was the lesson that Jesus tried to teach us in Mark chapter 11. We read the story of Jesus coming from Bethany. The Bible tells us that he was hungry. And he wanted to eat from the fig tree only to notice that the fig tree bore no fruits. And what did he do? He cursed the tree. The next day, on their return journey, back to Bethany, Peter, one of his disciples said, as they approached the fig tree, Ah, master, see the fig tree that you cursed yesterday. It has withered. Jesus answered him in verse 22 of that Mark chapter 11. Listen to what Jesus' answer was. He said, have faith in God. 
for verily i say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he seeth shall come to pass he shall have whatsoever he seeth therefore i say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray believe that you receive them and you shall have them so you see from jesus's response that the victory withering did not come to him as a surprise he caused it and he expected it to wither it only came as a surprise to who to peter and to the other disciples but to jesus it did not come as a surprise so what was jesus doing there jesus was training his disciples on the awesome power of words that words have power when those words are empowered and he was teaching them to speak what to speak empowered words it is a lesson to us when we see people who speak empowered words to believe also that we too can it's not just for them you too can that is why i said to them have faith in god if you do you can command the mountain to move so it's not about me if you have faith if you have the backing of heaven you can do the same thing Is not an exclusive preserve of a few people. I need us to understand this. We are Christians, but we are plain spectators. God did not call us to be spectators as Christians. That someone can, you too can. John chapter 6, verse 62. And verse 63 is what I need. But let me read from verse 62. John chapter 6. What an evil shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before. Verse 3. It is the spirit that quickeneth. What does that mean? It is the spirit that gives life and force. The flesh profited nothing. The words I speak unto you. They are what? They are spirit and they are life. Brethren, there are forces backing our words just as they backed the words of Jesus as a child of God. The challenge, yes, I must say this, the challenge is in positioning ourselves where our words are backed by the forces of heaven. That is the challenge. And we'll come to that. You see, in 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 first God help us. In first Samuel, I think chapter seven, seventeen, we see a man called Goliath challenging a whole nation, the nation of Israel, for days, until one young man called David stepped forward. When he showed up on the scene as Goliath 
was challenging the nation and defying the armies of Israel. David showed up. And what did he do and what did he say? He said to Goliath, you come to me with sword and with spears, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. You see, those words that David spoke literally was what brought Goliath down. Where can it be said that stone and catapult brought a giant down and fell and died? It's the word that empowered that catapult. We must have faith in God. We must have faith in God. We must have faith in God. I have to repeat it. Because some people I know here are saying, Oh, Pastor, that is the problem. That is where the problem is. I don't have faith. I don't have faith. As a pastor, I've heard people say that so many times to me. All they are saying in the essence is, Pastor, help me. For some reason, I don't have faith. But let me tell you, faith comes simply from knowledge. Can I repeat that again? Faith is not a complicated thing. Faith comes simply from what? Knowledge. Let me illustrate. If in your workplace on Friday evening, 5 p.m. as work was about to close, you announced to your colleagues in the office, ah, I'm starting my leave on Monday, and on Monday I will be traveling to the United Kingdom by 2 p.m. to spend my holiday. And after you made that announcement, your boss's driver came to you. Ah, so you are going to London to spend all the day. Okay, you know what? Meet me in Zenith Bank on Monday by 9 a.m. I want to give you a gift of 1,000 pounds so that you can enjoy your holiday. And you say to him, thank you. And as soon as you step out of there and stepping out, your boss, the MD of the company, said, Ah, I heard what you said, though. You are going to London to spend your holiday. Meet me 9 a.m. in Union Bank. I have a gift of a thousand pounds for you for your holiday. Two different people, the same promise, but two different locations. Two of them said, Meet me at 9 a.m. One in Zenith, the driver. One said, Union Bank, the MD. And each one of them was careful to add that if you come late, I will not be able to give it to you again. Which of the two of them will you meet? Which one? The MD. Why are you going to the MD? Because you have seen that he has the capacity to be able to produce a thousand pounds. What you know of God determines what you believe of God. Did somebody hear me? 
comes by knowing who has promised. If you know the person who has promised you, there are some people who will tell you that you won't even bother thinking about it. When you get to Monday morning and say, ah, somebody, oh, that's true, somebody said that. You won't bother because you feel they lack the capacity to do it. Faith comes by knowing who has promised. And this comes from walking with him. Until you walk with God, you cannot prove him. Did you hear me? Until you walk with God, you cannot prove him. Proving God in little things is what builds our faith. The challenge we have as Christians is improving God in little things. To prove God is to test him. But let me also say, let me not, I mean, what does it mean to prove God in little things? That little headache, that little headache that you are sure will not kill you, you put your hand on your head and say, I speak to you, head be healed. And as you remove your hand, the headache wires you the more. Bwah. Say, ah, I beg go, let me go and take paracetamol before this. You have not proved God. You have not proved him. You have not given him the opportunity to prove himself. But if as he had it does, you say, whether you like it or not, I'm standing on the word of God. And you wait it out and the headache goes. Would you not be able to say God has healed me? In the other instance where you took paracetamol, would you be able to say God healed me? You cannot. You cannot. Because in one instance, one person proved God. In the other instance, the other person did not prove God. We are too quick to look for plan B and solutions outside of God when we have challenges. And that is why a good number of us remain babies as Christians. But in all of this, the foundation of faith is in what? Is in being born again. I hope somebody is listening to me this morning. What did I say? The foundation of faith is in being what? Born again. I'm not talking about just coming to the altar, repeating some words, and shortly after, you have forgotten all you said. <laughs> it takes more to be born again than that. Oh. So what does it mean to be born again? I'm going somewhere this morning, oh, and I want you to follow me. What does it mean to be born again? John chapter 1, I'll read from verse 11 to verse 13. John chapter 1, verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let me explain that. He gave them power to become sons 
of God. He gave them the ability to be translated to become sons of God, even to them that believe not on his name, which were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of the man. In other words, which were born not of man. Whether it's true, what is that thing they call in science? Um, insemination, artificial insemination, or, or that the, you, the, 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 uh, IVF and all of them. All of them are man. It says, when you become born again, you are no longer born of man, but you are born of God. You are no longer born of man. That is what new birth means. You are now born of God. Okay. We'll get there. So to be born again in practical terms is to be born of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Follow me. Verse 16 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 16. Wherefore henceforth know we no man after the flesh when you have become born again, know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. In other words, he says, when you become born again, you are no longer known by your ethnicity. You are no longer known by your place of birth. You are no longer known by who gave birth to you. You are no longer known by your pedigree. You are now known because you are born of God. Listen to the next verse, verse 17. You are a new creature. You are no longer the one born of men. You are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is very weighty. This is very weighty. A man called John was told after his new birth, after he gave his life to Christ, that there is an ancestral spirit troubling him and his family from the village and he needs to go and appease those ancestral spirits. Listen to what the man replied. He said, the John, the ancestral spirit knew, no longer exists. This John you are seeing is now a new creation. <laughs> yes. He's saying, yes, I probably was tormented by ancestral spirits. But now that I'm born again, that John has ceased to exist. This John you are seeing now is a new creation. But you see, I've been with Christians long enough when people say such things. I hear Christians say, ah, <clears throat> I know one Peter who is also born again, but he's been troubled by ancestral spirits. Have you not heard such things? This one you are talking, Pastor, I don't understand. Though. I know one man, my neighbor, he's born again. Born, born again. But spirits are troubling him. Your response should be, I don't know who Peter believes in, 
but I know who I believe in. That somebody says they are Christians, you don't know what they believe. You don't know whether they are reading the Bible upside down. You can only speak for who? Yourself. That is why Jesus said, let it be unto you according to what? Your faith, according to your belief. If you believe that ancestral spirits can trouble you, so be it. If you believe they can trouble you, so be it. Let it be unto every man according to what? Your faith. God created man and gave him authority. I said that to the workers this morning. But he did not give man power. God gave man authority, but he did not give man power. Once has he spoken. Twice have I heard. Is this some power? All power belong to God. To be connected to power, you have to be linked to the spirit that wields the power. Because power belongs to God. You have to be linked to that spirit that wields the power. The moment you are born again, what does the Bible tell us? The Holy Spirit becomes resident in you. The God to whom all power begins to reside in you. The God to whom all power belongs begins to reside in you. First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. First John chapter 4. I read verse 4. First John chapter 4 verse 4. Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We need to grasp. Can I say that again? We need to grasp these truths and stop living timid lives and allowing the devil to intimidate us. Now I ask, when last did you pause to reflect what does it mean that I'm born of God? When the Bible says you are born of God, what does it mean? You know, the early disciples tried to address this in Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4. This time I'll read from the NRSV translation. The New Revised Standard Version. NRSV. Galatians chapter 4 from verse 1. Listen to what... The apostle was saying verse 1 my point is this hairs as long as they are minors are no better than slaves though they are owners of all the property does that make sense but they remain under guardians and trustees until the date set by the father so with us while we were minors we were enslaved to the elemental spirits of the world 
ancestral spirits from the village. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has done what? Sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying what? Abba, Father. You know, the apostle was using illustrations that would resonate in our lives. We have to know this and we have to live it. If you know it, use it. Don't keep it as head knowledge. Use it. Enforce it. Why? Because if you say you have faith and yet you don't have expectations, you really don't have faith. Jesus caused the victory and he did not look back. He continued on his journey. He came back the next day. He expected that the victory would wither. That is why I say, if you say you have faith, you must have expectations. You can't kneel down to pray and rise up from the place of prayer and not expect that something will shift. Then what you did in that place you knelt is meaningless what? Religion. I'm trying to challenge us to understand how much God has imbued in us. You can't have faith and don't have expectations. That is not faith. That is not faith. Jesus taught us how to live the empowered life. You can't have faith and not have expectations. No. That is not possible. It's not possible. Having expectations does not mean that your prayers will be answered instantly. After all, God told Abraham that he was going to have a child. Did that promise come till after 25 years? But the Bible says he stood. He stood on that promise. Insisted on that promise. Until 25 years, the promise came. What have you waited for that is up to 25 years that you are losing faith in God? Your expectation comes and it stems from the one whose word you are speaking. We are not speaking our words. We are speaking the word of God. John chapter 14 verse 20. John, it's important that I stress this. John 14 verse 20. Look at what he says. At that day you shall know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you that is what is known as spiritual fusion Jesus in the father you in me and I in you what was Jesus saying there as much as I am in my father so you are too there's no difference he's just the firstborn amongst many brethren Genesis chapter 1 says let us make man in our image and in our likeness that's what Genesis 1 says 
when the trinity came together let us make man in our image and in our likeness who is god god is a king the king of kings because god is a king and he made you in his image and his likeness you are also what a king kings and priests psalm 82 says ye are gods and children of the most high it's not my words god but that god is with small capital words small letter word g that's what the bible says to buttress what genesis chapter 1 says that i've created you in my image and in my likeness I'm saying all of this because it is knowledge of this that transforms us to be kings and priests. We must embrace these truths to be able to enter into the glory of our calling. You must embrace them. You must internalize them. We must enter it. But I know that the challenge is that a good number of us grew up under traditional notions of power. Hmm? That is a challenge. Being able, being able, tradition is a terrible thing. Being able, being able to transform off and take away those traditional beliefs is the challenge that most Christians have. It's a major challenge. You hear people say things like God and the devil is fighting. How can God and devil fight? That's an insult. It's an insult. For you to think that God and the devil can fight is an insult. You know, it's like you saying that you switch on the light and darkness refuses to go away. How can that happen? That you switch on light, that the darkness is so dark that the darkness refuses to go. It's impossible. When you switch on light, what happens? Darkness disappears. Whenever God appears, the law of creation says every knee must what? Bow. You need to know who you are. If you don't know who you are, the devil will rob you of the glory of life God has given you. He will. He's good at it. He enjoys doing it. He tramples on our ignorance. Have you ever seen a governor worrying about how he's going to have breakfast? Have you ever, have you, have you ever read it anywhere? That the governor went to news and said, I don't know where my next breakfast is coming from. Or how I'm going to have lunch. Prince Charles, Prince Charles, he's in the news now. That one day complained to his friend, I don't know where, I don't know where transport money is going to come. By virtue of his position, it is impossible for breakfast to be his problem. And what I'm saying to you this morning is that a king's provision is guaranteed by his position. Just by being king, certain things come to you.
the king's provision is guaranteed by his position. Brethren, we are kings. Our problem is not scarcity. Our problem is mindset. Every one of us must rise up to who we are in Christ. So that as the apostle said in Galatians, these elemental spirits do not continue to intimidate us. Light and darkness, they have no concord. How can you be a carrier of light and you are running from darkness? You don't know who you are. Everything called sorrow is associated with darkness. How can you be a Christian and you say that the thing that is doing me is because of what somebody said to me and you are not a child of God? Where does that happen now? Oh, we read in open heavens now Geo saying that at the time he was never going to his village. But when he became a child of God, what happened? The people that were chasing him began to run away from him. That is what it should be. These traditional notions that light can darkness can compete with light is what the problem is. And I just asked you, can you switch on light anywhere and darkness say, I'm not going? Please, if you have seen it, tell me. I have never seen it. When you switch on light, darkness disappears. That is why they say darkness is only the absence of light. In him was life. And the life he carried was what? The light of men. The empowered life is not the exclusive preserve of pastors. It's not the exclusive preserve of the geo. It's not the exclusive preserve of anybody. The disciples came to Jesus, I must emphasize this. They saw the way he was living his life. They saw the things he was doing. And they connected his empowered life to his life of prayer. And they said to him, Daddy, Oga, Egbon, whatever they called him, teach us how to pray. The first statement that came from the mouth of Jesus Christ, our perfect example, was when you want to pray, say this, our Father who is in heaven. He did not say my Father. is as much your Father as is my Father. Our. No exclusive with God. There are no grandchildren with God. All of us are his children. Stop. At the communion service, our prayer was God open our eyes. May God open our eyes. 
every one of us must arise to be the men and the women, the kings and the priests that God has called us to be. Rise up from here today and stop living a life of timidity. Timidity is not humility. You're only doing yourself for as long. No, the Bible calls it folly. For as long as you leave, choose to live in intentional foolishness, God will leave you. He will leave you until your eyes open. That is why we are praying, God, open our eyes. Open our eyes. Open my eyes. Open your eyes to live what? The empowered life. Because that is what he has created us to live. Shall we rise? The empowered life is available for every one of us. But you can only live it if you are connected to that life. That is why you must be born again. Being born again connects you to this glorious and empowered life. And in the kingdom of God, overtaking is allowed. You can be born again today and tomorrow you are doing greater exploits than I have ever done. As long as your mind and your heart is open to what God would want to use you to do. So, never mind and say, oh, well, all of my life, I should have done this when I was young. It's irrelevant. What is important is that today is the day of salvation. If you are here and you have not yielded, you have not surrendered your life to Jesus Christ for him to come and take his habitation and residence in you, I just want you to wave your hand to me so I can pray with you. That's all I want to do so that you can begin the new life that God has created for you. So that you can become today born of God and not of the flesh. Paul said, we know no man according to what? The flesh. The day you are born again, everything and record of the past is wiped away. And a new record of you being born of God begins. So if you are here, and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. I just want you to wave that hand. Wave it so that I can pray with you. So that you can begin a new life and fulfill the glorious destiny that God has called you. Is there anyone who's saying, Jesus, come into my life and be my Savior and my Lord? Is there anyone? Okay, for the rest of us who want to pray and say, Father, open my eyes and my understanding. To this empowered life in the name of Jesus help me know who I am in you open my eyes enlighten the eyes of my understanding that I may know the hope of my calling open my eyes oh God to live the empowered life to live the empowered life that you have called me to live a life of glory Open my eyes to live the empowered life. Father, in the name of Jesus, to trust you and to trust you with my whole heart. Lord God, open my eyes and make the foundation of my understanding 
the knowledge of who you are and what you are able to do. Your word says, with God, there's nothing impossible. Open my eyes, God. Help me, O oh Lord. Every day I bow my knees in prayers to rise up from the place of prayers with expectations. Father, in the name of Jesus, open my eyes to know that I can command mountains to move. In the name of Jesus, open my eyes, O oh God. Open my eyes, O oh God, to live the empowered life. No more shall I live a life of timidity, a life of fear. No more in the name of Jesus. Open my eyes, O oh God, to live the empowered life, to know it, to use it, and to exercise it in every area of my life in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we bless you. Hear our cries, O oh God, and attend unto our prayers. Help me, O oh God, to seek your glory in all I do. To seek your kingdom first in all I do. To seek to honor you in every area of my life. Help me to put you first and never as last. Help me, O oh Lord, to make you my first resort and not my last resort. Help me, O oh God. Help me, Father, to make you the number one. Be the priority of my life so that I can have the attention of heaven. In the mighty name of Jesus, help me, O God. Help me, Father. And so shall it be. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Father Almighty, we bless you. As a people and as a church, we just come to you this morning asking that you shed light on our paths. Give us increased and better understanding. Help us to know that it is not us walking in you, but it is you walking in us. Help us to yield ourselves to you that you can walk through us. Help us to live the empowered lives. Help us to give priority to you and the things of your kingdom in all we do and in every area of our lives so the heavens may be opened and we can receive the attention of heaven father as a church we declare by faith beginning from today that whatsoever we bind on earth is bound in heaven whatsoever we lose on earth is loosed in heaven so shall it be in Jesus mighty name we have prayed Amen, Amen. Hallelujah